Father. If you brought your Bible with you this morning, open them with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll put these scriptures on the screen two weeks from now when there's a screen up there. But today, look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Acts chapter 9. These are two verses we've been looking at for the last several weeks together. And I'm going to look at them one more time today. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul was writing to this young pastor, talking to him about how things need to be done in church. You know, it's important to find out what the word says about how things need to be done in church. It's not just up to me and it's not just up to you. If the Lord said, I want it done this way, then how many believe we ought to do it that way? And he made some of these things clear here in in the book of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, but specifically in chapter 3, look at verse 14. He said, these things are right to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Paul wrote to him and said, I want you to know it's important that you know how you ought to conduct yourself. And you notice here, he said, I'm writing to you in case I can't get there in time. So this was not one of those things that Paul started to write and said, oh, I'll just tell him when I get there. This was not something he felt like he could put off any longer. It was important enough for him to write these things down and get them to Timothy even before he could get there physically. That's how important these things are and they were then and they are now to the Spirit of God. I'm writing to you so that you know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. And then he makes it even more clear, which is the church of the living God. This is not, this is not some place just around town. This is not just any old building. This is not just any old place. This is the church of the living God. And that church, he said, is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And he said, you ought to know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now we've talked about it, but in the verses that lead up to this, he was talking to him about the leadership of the church and the deacons. That would be those serving, those helping. So between me and you, this, these verses cover everybody that's in the room right now. And that says to me that if we get it right, now I know there's going to be a lot of people that come to our church that aren't serving. They're not plugged in. They're, they're checking it out. They're wondering what it's about. Maybe doesn't know a thing in the world about it, but just drove in one day. So there's going to be a lot of different kinds of people in here with a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different experience, some with a, a long-term relationship with God, some who just met him, some who don't know him at all. But what this tells me is that if you and I, those in leadership, those serving will get it right, we can dictate and determine the whole course of this place. We, there's enough of us in here that we can totally take over the atmosphere. Even if somebody comes in the back of that, back of this room and you've never seen a heart so hard. Somebody who comes in thinking they hate God and they're here for one reason, just to prove over and over again how, how real he's not, Right? and what a bunch of hypocrites Christians are. Somebody could come walking in here, but if they step into a place where the very air they're breathing is full of faith and love, you can't stay that way. You have to choose to stay that way. You and I, if we get this right, we can take this place over. We can fill this place. 
not just with praise, but with faith and with love. And somebody comes in, some unbeliever walks in those back doors and they breathe it in and they say, I don't know what this place is, but I want to be a part of it. That can happen. And in these verses, he was talking to them specifically about those people and the reverence that they live their life with both at home and in the church. And in the book of Acts chapter nine, we've also been looking here together. Look at it with me again in verse 31. He said, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace. Anybody want this place full of peace? I do. They had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. This was the catalyst for the miraculous, the exponential growth of this early church. Now we've talked about it in weeks past, but let me remind you, this place was growing and growing in a hurry. And it is the church we're a part of. We may be a few miles from it, but it is the church that we were and are a part of. And it was growing like crazy, man. I mean, it went from 120 people hanging out in an upper room, waiting there because Jesus said, wait there. And all of a sudden, a sound as of a rushing mighty wind filled the room. These people got full of the Holy Ghost, came stumbling drunk out of that upper room. And people thought, these guys are drunk. And Peter said, they're not drunk like you think they're drunk. They are full of the Holy Ghost. And Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, preached. And 3,000 people got added to the church that day. Now somebody says, that's awesome. I hope they had parking. That's all I can think about right now. What are we going to do with people, the cars with 3,000 people? That's like 11 services on a Sunday morning. But that's miraculous growth. growth. That's miracle grow being added to that church. And it didn't stop there. A few days later, Peter and John were walking to the temple. There's a man who's been laid there every day for 40 years of his life and he's begging alms and Peter said, I left my wallet at home, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk, reached down, pulled him up. That man went walking, leaping and praising God and two more thousand people got added to the church. This place was growing. And now we see it here even in Acts chapter nine. They're walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and still, they're being multiplied. This place was growing. Now, let me tell you, if you don't know this already, there's a lot of information out there right now about how to grow a church. You could, you could probably attend a conference somewhere in the world every week of the year, and they would tell you, do this and you'll grow your church. Do this and you'll grow your church. Now, I'm not knocking any of it. I haven't heard all of it. I've heard some of it. But I have to start with this right here. God wants this place to increase because of who he is. He's a God of increase. So I start there with it. But the next question is, Lord, okay, how do you want it to increase? And if you're asking how God wants anything done, you've got to go back to his word. He made it clear in his word. His word is his will. His word are his ways. His word is what shows us how he does things and why he does things. It's the revelation of who he is and his will for us as individuals, his will for us in this church. 
And if I'm looking at this verse and others like it, I see that God's growth plan and strategy for that church, for this church, is that we too would walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I believe if we do these things, if these things are alive in this place, we will be multiplied just like this place is multiplied. And it's still, it feels a little funny being a pastor for what, how long now? What time is it exactly? (laughs) Preaching church growth. It's like, well, brother, what do you know about church growth? Not a lot, except what I see in the word. And what I see in the word is how he wants a thing to grow. And besides that, I'm not going to wait till the place grows before I start preaching growth. That's not how these things work. Let me remind you how faith works. You believe it, then you see it. And how faith comes, you hear the word, then you believe it, then you see it, then you receive it. It'd be like me waiting to preach salvation, waiting on somebody to get saved. When they get saved, then I'll start preaching salvation. Somebody say stupid. Stupid. That really is stupid. For somebody to be born again, to have faith, to be born again, they have to hear the love of God. They've got to hear what Jesus has done for them. Then faith comes, then they believe it, then they walk in it. Well, the same things can be true with our growth, right? I'm preaching growth so that you hear it and you believe it and then we see it. That's how this stuff works. In the Passion Translation, Acts 9 says, verse 31, after this, the church all over Judea, Galilee, and Samaria experienced a season of peace. The congregations grew larger and larger. Somebody say amen. Amen. With the believers, now listen to this, being empowered and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. So when the when the Spirit of God wrote this and used this word that we see translated here in the New King James and others, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, this translation that we're looking at here is bringing out what that actually means. It's a big word. It's the word that Jesus used to introduce the ministry of the Holy Spirit to his disciples before he ever left. When they're all panicked and and crying and upset because he said he's leaving. He said, look, it's better for you if I go away. And they said, no, it's not. And he said, it is. And they said, you're wrong. He said, no, it's better for you if I go away. Why? Because if I don't go, the helper, the comforter won't come. But if I go, then I can send you the comforter. I can send you the helper. And when Jesus used this word comforter, It's that Greek word, uh, what is it, paraklesis, something along those lines. And it basically just means the one called alongside, the one standing by you to comfort, to help, to, to, to be your advocate, to be your intercessor. It's a big word. And that's the exact same word that you see here, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. This translation brings out what that comfort is. The congregations grew larger and larger as a result of what? As a result of the believers being empowered and encouraged. Say that with me. Say it. Empowered and encouraged. That's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I both know this, that the Spirit of God is well able to do things in you, to do things for you without any assistance. 
right? I mean, how many of you have ever experienced something along these lines, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the encouragement, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Man, you were going through something. It was pressure filled. It was hard. It was trying to bring you down and you went and you got with God and all of a sudden you got up on the inside. You rose up without even a fact changing around you still. Something came alive on the inside of you and you said, no, all things are possible with him who believes. You ever experienced something like that? And you experienced it without somebody standing up and saying, open your Bibles with me this morning to, and preaching a message to you. God can do that. He does do that. But have you ever noticed how often God does things for you through somebody else? Now, I'm not saying he has to, but he chooses to. He chooses to. If you think about it, that's what the whole life and ministry of Jesus was. God doing for man what he always wanted to do. He always wanted man well. He always wanted us strong and healed. But he did it through Jesus who became like us, who put flesh on, emptied himself of his deity, wrapped flesh around him, and he became this totally and completely yielded vessel. That's the, that, that's the whole reason for the power in the ministry of Jesus. There are two, two reasons that Jesus' ministry was and is what it was and what it is. Number one, the, these great manifestations of power coming through his life, you see it as the result of total sinlessness. Nothing between him and God. But the second thing Jesus embodied was a completely and totally yielded vessel. He had no personal agenda. He was not out for his own glory. And anytime somebody tried to give it to him, he always turned and shined that light back on his father. So these two things coupled together, no sin and completely yielded to God, completely yielded to the spirit on him resulted in amazing things in his ministry. Well, thank God because of what he's done, that whole sin thing has been taken care of for you and for me too. It's been dealt with. Like we talked about earlier, there's no more distance between you and the father. The only difference between you and Jesus is how yielded you are to the Holy Spirit. How yielded I am to the spirit of God. So I think it's safe to say that all this empowerment and this encouragement going on in this church that resulted in the place growing and being multiplied wasn't just because the Holy Spirit was doing something in this one and the Holy Spirit was doing something in that one. It's because these people were yielded to the Holy Spirit and he was doing things for them through them. Are you following me? It was happening through each other, to each other, through each other. And this church, man, I believe it. You've never seen a more encouraging place. You've never been in a more encouraging place than that church. It was so encouraging. So encouraging. The Holy Spirit manifests his comfort and his encouragement through yielded vessels. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that you, service team member, are the growth strategy of this church. 
You are. Not me. Not Sarah. Not, it's certainly not our experience. We have none. You are a big part, a major part of the growth strategy of this church. I see it in the word. I see it where the church is multiplied because there was so much supernatural encouragement taking place there that people in the community and the surrounding regions knew, man, if you need to be encouraged, you got to go over there. You got to go get around those people. I've been thinking the last couple of days, you see, I grew up in Texas. You remember that old, was it Gene Autry song? I think Sinatra recorded it, Home, Home on the Range. Anybody remember this one? Deer in the Antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word. Well, I'm declaring that over this place, but I'm not using the word seldom. I'm saying never. Legacy Church, where never, never, I'm testing out the sound system, never <laughs> is heard a discouraging word. Now, that's not true out there. Have you noticed that? You can't, you can't find that out there. You can't experience that out there. Out there, it's often. Out there, it's always. Where always is heard a discouraging word. Sometimes I think, I think cable news networks should use that as their motto. <laughs> Tune in tonight for a discouraging word. <laughs> always, always a discouraging word. But how about in here? Never, where never is heard, not out of you, not out of me. And what I'm telling you this morning, now everybody watching online is getting to be a part of this, but I am talking to our service team members. Those of you who will stand at a post and will fulfill a ministry and a role and a job. I am licensing you today. I am equipping you today. From this day forward, you are licensed to encourage everybody you see. You are licensed and authorized to encourage everybody who comes in these doors. That's you. Why are we doing that? Because that's the growth strategy of this church. I'm believing just like in that day, that place was multiplied because people found there what they could not find anywhere else. What's going to make us grow? People are going to find something here that they can't find in the world. They're going to find courage and strength and faith and love that's just not out there. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You don't have to take time to turn there. Let me read it to you. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now, we already know what comfort means, right? Empowerment, encouragement. And he's going to use this word comfort several times over these couple of verses. But let me just take what we know about the word comfort how it means encouragement. Let me put that in there and, and you hear how this reads. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all encouragement, who encourages us in all our tribulation that we may be able to encourage those who are in any trouble with the encouragement with which we ourselves are encouraged by God. For the... For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our encouragement also abounds through Christ. Amen. Now, in, in the original text, he said that uh, the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, he's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in tribulation, that we may be able to comfort. 
with the comfort that we are comforted with. But knowing what you know about the word comfort, could you not say that the God of all encouragement encourages us for what reason? Huh? So that you can be happy? So that you can be okay? No. So that the same courage, the same encouragement that you've been encouraged with, you can then encourage somebody else. Folks, we ought to be the most encouraged and encouraging people on the planet. Why? Well, because of who we've got encouraging us. You ever had anybody in your life that was just a good encouragement to you? A parent, a grandparent, a coach, a teacher, somebody that was just there to encourage you no matter what you were dealing with or facing. They just always had something, always had something that picked you up, always had something that kept you going. Well, let me tell you, I don't care how great an encourager your t-ball coach was. He's not as good as God. The God of all encouragement encourages us. That's the source of our encouragement. Now you can find people in the world who can give you a good encouraging word, a good pat on the back, a good way to go, a good you can do it, a good don't quit, and all that's fine, but none of it compares to the kind of encouragement you can get if you know who to go to, if you know who the source is for it, the God of all encouragement. Christians should be the most encouraged and encouraging people on the planet. Let me give you a couple of reasons here to, for you and I to be encouraged. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse nine says, for God did not appoint us to wrath. That's encouraging. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's encouraging. Who died for us. Man, that's encouraging. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort encourage each other and edify one another just as you are doing. The New Living says, encourage each other and build each other up. The Amplified says, encourage, admonish, exhort one another and edify, strengthen and build up one another. Listen to this from the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. The King James is, is the translation that says, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There's a reason you're in here this morning. I know that through technology, a lot of people can watch from home in various places. And that's fine. We're going to put that out. We want people to, to be reached any way they can be. But one of the things that our pastor has said over and over that really resonates with me, he said, it's fine if you need to receive via the internet or television, but one thing you can't do is serve remotely. You can't serve this church and this body from your couch. You can't. You cannot hold a door open for somebody from your house. You cannot look them in the eye with a smile on your face and say, good morning. I'm so happy to see you. You can't do that from home. You cannot shake a hand. You cannot hug a neck from your house. One of the things that's really difficult to do from distance is encourage. That's the reason you're in here this morning. 
You got a job to do. There'll be practical things to put your hand on. But what I'm telling you is you are licensed, authorized, and by the end of this service today, equipped to encourage. Amen. 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 He said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now that's something to be encouraged about, right? Hey, if you didn't know it, Jesus is coming back. If you hadn't thought that or been aware of it yet today, let me be the one to remind you, Jesus is coming back. Can you see that day approaching? We're supposed to live like it's any moment, any day now, right? You see that day approaching. And this is one of the things that you and I have as a source of encouragement that this world doesn't have. I don't care if everything else has fallen apart around you. I, I, I'm telling you, I mean, you could, you, you could be going through what feels like hell on earth. And if you can't find anything in the natural world to be thankful and encouraged about, you've always got this. Jesus is coming. Amen. Jesus is coming and heaven is my home. And I'm not telling you try to get there any sooner. That's not what I'm trying to say to you. But I am telling you there is power in looking forward to something. There's power in looking forward to it. You ever had something out there in front of you? A few days, a few weeks, maybe a few months away. Vacation, time off. And man, when work starts getting you down and you're, as, you, as we say around our house, dragging your wagon and you say, oh, I guess got to keep going. How do I keep going? And all of a sudden you remember what's out there in front of you. And it does something for you. There's power in looking forward to it. When Jesse, our little girl, was in kindergarten, this is when we lived in Texas, we woke her up one morning and I don't know what it was that morning. Maybe she didn't sleep well or something, but she was in kind of a particularly grumpy mood. And I don't, I know none of your kids have ever been like that first thing in the morning, but uh, she was that day. Now, normally our kids get up in good spirits, but for whatever reason, she was just kind of moving slow and didn't want to get cranked up. And uh, we're working with her, trying to get her to move along, trying to get her to get dressed and we're running out of time. And all of a sudden, I don't know if it was me or Sarah, one of us remembered that Jesse's birthday party at school was coming up. Now, I need to add this to it. Jesse was born in August, which means she's a summer baby and her birthday doesn't occur during the school months. So her kindergarten teacher, for all the kids who had birthdays during the summer, they would celebrate their half birthday. So they all got to pick their half birthday. And just like all the other kids in class who had birthdays during the school year, now even the kids who were born in the summer could have their party at school because it was their half birthday. And Jesse's half birthday party at that point that morning was 12 days away. And the moment we reminded her of her half birthday, that was coming up 12 days, her whole complexion changed. The whole attitude changed. She got so excited. She came alive. Now she's on the move. My half birthday, my birthday party at school, my half birthday party at school, my half. Now folks, listen, if you can get that excited about your half birthday coming up a few days away, it wasn't even the next day. It was 12 days away. There's power in looking forward to it. You and I as believers have some things to look forward to. Thank you, Lord. Go to the book of Acts with me. 
and look at chapter four. I want to introduce somebody to you who's in the scriptures some, not a lot, but the more I study this, the more I like him. In Acts chapter four, this is right in the middle of these miracles going on and this church growing like crazy. Notice what it says in verse six. It says, and Joseph, uh, I think other translations say Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles. I like that. They just gave him another name. His name was Joseph. And the apostles said, no, you're Barnabas. He was named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated, listen to this, son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, verse 37, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Joseph was his name and he got to hanging out with these apostles and hanging out in this church and they saw something in him and evidently it was so big in him and, and so a part of who he was that they just completely changed his name. Just gave him another nickname and it stuck throughout the rest of the book of Acts. Anytime he's mentioned, Joseph's gone. Who's that? This is Barnabas, son of encouragement. Hey, look, here comes son of encouragement. I looked up the name Barnabas. It's an amazing, amazing thing if you look at it. Bar just means son. The rest of his name literally means prophet. So it was like every time this guy showed up, he had a word. But it wasn't a word declaring the future. It was just a word of encouragement. Here comes that son of encouragement. Man, this guy's got a word. Watch. He's coming in. You stand here. He'll encourage you. Just watch, watch, watch what he does. Watch what he does. Sure enough, he comes in. He's got an encouraging word. Son of encouragement. Here comes that old son of encouragement again. Now look what happens in, in chapter nine. I'm just reading the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Look at, I, I said nine, chapter 11. Look at verse 21. It says, the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent out the son of encouragement to go as far as Antioch. And when he came, when Barnabas, the son of encouragement came and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad. He was glad. You know, that's what truly spiritual people do. When they see something good going on in your life, they don't resent it. They don't wish it was theirs. They're not jealous or envious over it. They see the grace of God in you and on you. They're glad about it. That's a truly spiritually mature person. Somebody who's glad about the grace that you're walking in. He said he saw the grace that was on him. He was glad and encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. There right there, you see what an encouraging word is. There's no evidence that he stood up and preached a message. There's, no, there's, there's nothing that tells us that he was some sort of great scholar or student of the word. He could have been all those things. But what he was, was an encourager. So much so that it changed his identity. It changed what they called him. I'm telling you this morning, you are called to encourage you're called to encourage. Now, there is no better way 
to find out what the grace of God is on your life, what God's called and created you both to be and to do, than to give your life doing what you're doing right now, serving the Lord. You will find yourself. You will find your anointing, or maybe I should say his anointing on you as you serve, because that's being faithful. That's sowing and reaping. God can't really trust you with your own vision until you've been faithful to serve somebody else's. And I'm telling you today that part of your calling and being aware of your calling is knowing what the Bible has already called you to do and you are called to encourage. I'm looking at a bunch of sons of encouragement out there this morning. Those called to encourage. But listen to what it said. With purpose, he encouraged them with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. That is an encouraging word. Like I said, it's not a big message. It's an encouraging word. This is what I'm licensing you to do, okay? To give an encouraging word. This is not, well, Pastor Jeremy said I could stand at the front door and preach my latest revelation on the hundredfold return or on the end time harvest. No, no, listen, this is what you are licensed to do, to give an encouraging word. There's a lot that can be done with an encouraging word. What was this encouraging word? That they should continue. Keep going. He came in, he saw the grace of God that was on the church, they were growing. And he got so excited about it. This son of encouragement encouraged them. Just stay with it. Just keep going. Don't back up. Don't go back. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. Keep going. Come on. Somebody say, keep going. That's an encouraging word. That can be a prophetic word from God. Keep going. And do you realize how desperately people need to hear that word? People all over the world, in this community and places everywhere, are living all the time on the verge of quitting. Anything. The verge of quitting their work, quitting their marriage, their family, quitting their church, quitting the family. People live on the verge, on the cusp of quitting because of the pressure that's on them, because of what they're under, and they live with that kind of pressure. You know what they need? You know what somebody who's just maybe a day or maybe just an inch or two away from just throwing in the towel, giving it all up, quitting their family, quitting their marriage, maybe even quitting life. You know what that person needs? What they don't need is you to sit down and say, okay, the Bible says this. Now turn here and say the Bible says it. And now look at this. Now look, no, no. You know what they need? They need you to say, come on, were you here like 90 seconds ago? What do they need to hear? Keep going. Come on, keep going. Don't quit. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your church. Don't give up on your life. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on his word. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And it doesn't take long to say that. And you can see it on somebody when they need to hear it. And you're going to be there. I said, you're going to be there. You're going to be standing at that front door. You're going to be standing there welcoming children. You're going to be standing there in the parking lot. 
And, and just the smile on your face, just the way you greet somebody, you talk to them like they are somebody. You talk to them like they're, like they're worthy of respect and like they're, they're, they're a welcome guest in your home. And you know what all that says to them? Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't draw back. Keep going. Come on, somebody say it again. Keep going. That's an encouraging word. That's an encouraging word. And there's faith in it. How do I know that? Because this verse goes on to say in uh, chapter 11, the next verse, verse 24, he was a good man talking about son of encouragement. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord. How do you know somebody is full of the Holy Spirit? Is it because they walk around just intense all the time? Because they talk more in tongues than they do in English? Is it because they're always laying hands on somebody and they've always got a, a prophetic declaration of your future? And is it because they're just so intense? And no, this is not evidence somebody's full of the Holy Spirit. This is not evidence somebody's full of faith. This man was full of the Spirit. This man was full of faith. How do we know? He had an encouraging word, like all the time, all the time. That's how you know the spirit of God lives big in somebody. That's how you know the encourager is encouraging them because they're encouraging others. That's evidence of somebody full of the spirit and full of faith. Thank you, Lord. Being an encourager is some of the best evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith from you never is heard a discouraging word. I want you to see this as we begin to wrap it up. Go back to the Old Testament with me to the book of Numbers chapter 13. You good for just another minute? Thank you, Lord. Numbers chapter 13. This is the account of the Lord speaking to Moses and saying, send out some spies, go look at the land that I'm giving you. And Moses got 12 spies and he sent them out. And I want you to see how much power, not that the leader has over a congregation, but that those under them, the ones they've appointed, I want you to see how much sway they have in determining where a congregation goes. It says in verse 26 of Numbers 13 that they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. I think it's interesting that this nation is called a congregation. The congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Well, that's encouraging. Verse 28, nevertheless. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Nevertheless, but, but. Anybody know a nevertheless? No matter what or how good something looks, they're always there with a nevertheless. Listen to this. Nevertheless, The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there 
The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now, all of this is just facts, right? There's, they haven't said anything other than listing the facts. But you can almost hear it in their voice and it's evidenced how they were saying it because in the next verse, verse 30, it says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. You ready for an encouraging word? Here's an encouraging word. For we are well able to overcome it. That is encouraging. That's encouraging. Now, he saw all the same facts. Caleb went and saw everything that these guys saw. He saw who dwells in this part of the land. He saw who dwells in that part of the land. He saw the descendants of Anak there, who are these dudes who are, you know, a little taller than everybody else, let's say. But he saw all the same stuff. But these people came back with two different reports, a good report and an evil report, a a encouraging word and a discouraging word. There were 10 of them who had a discouraging word and two of them who saw all the same facts but responded differently to it. He said, come on, let's go. He quieted the people. Y'all shut up. What are we doing standing here talking? Why are we all still standing around? Let's go. We are well able. Have you seen what God just did for us? Have you seen how far he's brought us? Come on, what are we waiting on? Let's go, let's go, let's go. And it says in verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not well able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. That is a discouraging word. Encouraging words, we saw it in these other verses, strengthen, they build up, they acknowledge that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But a discouraging word says, they're stronger than I am. They got more than I got. I'm too weak. I'm not enough. They're more than, that's discouraging. And what discouraging does is it weakens and it pulls down. Encourage strengthens and builds up. So you got all these voices. You got 10 saying, no, we can't. Two saying, yes, we can. It says, verse 32, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There they are again. They're so tall. They're so tall. We can't go. Why? They're so, so tall. Verse 33, there we saw the giants. They're so tall. The descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. That's a discouraging word. Chapter 14, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. Why? Why are they crying like this? Have they been encouraged? They've been discouraged. This is what you see as a response of people being discouraged, courage taken out of them. Musicians, you guys come on up. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims 
Listen, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Let's select a leader and return to Egypt. What did I tell you a moment ago is an encouraging word? What's the first thing we said was an encouraging word? Keep going. What are they trying to do? Go back. This is how you know somebody's yielding to discouragement. Always trying to go back. No matter what God's done to get them that far, no matter how faithful he's proven to be, still find a reason to go back, to go back, to go back. But an encourager sees that and says what? No, keep going. Let's keep going. Stay with us. No, just stay with it. Can you give God a little longer? Can you give his word just, just a little bit more time? Don't be so quick. You, you, you just got here. You just got plugged in. Don't unhook yet. Don't quit yet. I know it's rough. I know things are tough. Don't, don't bail on it. See, people are living like if I don't see change, I'm done. I quit. I'm out. But believers are supposed to live a different way. That's why the psalmist said, if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I would have quit. I would have fainted. I would have gone back a long time ago. What's keeping him in the fight? What's keeping him in the game? Seeing something change? No, believing to see it change. Come on, keep believing. Just keep believing. And when you see somebody come into this place and you see it all over them, you don't got to preach them a message, right? You, you don't have to sit them down and beat them over the head with your Bible. What do you do? You just encourage. Keep going. Keep going. It's all right. Can you come back next week? Can you come back next week? It'll be a better message. I promise. Can you come back next week? And you just encourage people to keep coming back and coming back, not going back but coming back to the presence of God. And David said, he said, I, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you look it up, that word dwell literally means return. And that's really what makes more sense, doesn't it? We're not looking for people to come camp out here at the altar and never leave. No, but we want people coming back. Come back to the house of the Lord. Just keep coming back. Just stay with it. Just stay with it. Can you do that? Yes. I mean, some of you might break out in a cold sweat if we brought you up on this platform, shoved a microphone in your, in your face and said, prophesy. You wouldn't know what to do with that. But let me tell you what you can do. You can encourage. You can encourage. And this went on later in this same chapter. I mean, God was not having this. He was not happy about it at all. And this is when he said, this generation's going to die in this wilderness. But in verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Why? He's got something different about him. Caleb had a different spirit. What was that? He's an encourager. We can do this. We are well able. Come on, let's go right now. We're not going back. Let's go forward. Evidently, God likes that. Evidently, he can use that. And this man got to see what the rest of his generation failed to see, including Moses. Because there was a different spirit in him. That spirit of an encourager. 
So the question, I guess, is if we're going to be doing all this encouraging, then who's going to be encouraging us? Well, that's what these teams are about. This is your family. You're on the audio, video lighting team. You're in the parking lot team, the children's team, the ushers and greeters and hospitality. That's your family within the family. And you know, you got something going on in your life and the pressure's on like it's never been before. Maybe you got a diagnosis and it's trying to just freak you out. It's trying to scare you. These are the people. You come and you say, hey, but before service gets started today, can I talk to you real quick? You come aside in the hall and you say, listen, help me with something. Remind me what the scripture says about my healing. And you got these team members, these family members in here and say, oh, you, yeah, man, you are healed. You are so healed. You are healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. The life and the love of God is working in you. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that temple's being filled with glory and it's driving out sickness right now as we speak. And what's happening? You're being encouraged. The, the encourager is encouraging you. Why? Because in about eight minutes, these doors open and you got to stand out there ready to encourage. So where do we get encouragement? Well, that's what these families are about. But even if you don't have that, you remember what David did when all looked lost and they returned home and their, their, their town had been burned, their wives and their children had been taken prisoner and captive. The Bible says he and his men wept until they could weep no more. And those men were about ready to stone him because they didn't know what else to do. You know what the Bible says David did? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself. So I thank God for these families. I'm so thankful to be standing up here looking at you this morning. We're a family together called to encourage one another. But if it comes down to it and you got nobody else, you've got the encourager himself, the God of all courage. May he encourage you so that you may encourage others. Amen. Stand on your feet with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say this. I am called, I am called to, encourage. to encourage. Say it again. I am called, I am called to, encourage. to encourage. I am a son, am a son of, encouragement. of encouragement. That anointing is on me. I'm able to do that. Now, here's the thing. Will you yield yourself to it? Because that's what's going to grow this church. A bunch of people totally yielded to the Holy Ghost. And when the Spirit of God comes up on the inside of you and says, you see that lady over there? She just walked in with her two kids. You go tell her, I love her and I got good things in store for her. Now, how yielded are you? Are you going to stand there and argue with the Spirit and say, I don't know her. She's going to think I'm crazy. Or are you going to yield? Huh? working in that parking lot when somebody pulls up and they get out of the car and you can see it all over their face. They're under so much pressure. They'll barely look at you in the eye. Will you yield when the spirit of God says, Hey, tell them to keep going. Tell them just to stay with me. Tell them, tell them just to, just to stick with it a little longer. Just, just, just yell at them and say, Hey, God loves you, man. So glad you're here today. He's got answers for you. Come on in. You're welcome here. Will you do it? 
What about when the Spirit of God speaks up and says, you see that family over there? They're on their way out. Catch them. You know that, you know that extra 20 you got in your wallet? Go give it to them. How yielded are you? What about, what about when the Lord says, you know that, that, that $5 you came across in your pocket this morning and those pair of jeans that, that went through the wash and the $5 bill made it? Yeah, I saved that five because I want you to put it in his hand. Now, are you going to yield? Or are you going to say, Lord, five bucks? That's almost so little, it's embarrassing. Don't you dare. Yield. Because you have no idea how encouraging that can be to somebody. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship and praise you today. You are the God of all encouragement. We thank you for the way you've encouraged us and kept us going and sustained us. Thank you, Lord, for sending people to us over and over and over again to say, hey, just keep going. God's good. He's got a good plan. He'll help you. He'll keep you. He'll carry you all the way through it. Thank you, Lord, for every time you've quickened somebody to encourage us because of the way it has strengthened us, Lord. It has kept us going. And Lord, we gather this morning as a body of believers who are here as yielded vessels willing to serve, to serve you, to serve each other. And we ask you, Lord, to use us to encourage one another and make this place so full of the encouragement of the Lord that people in this whole region know that if they need encouragement, they want encouragement, they know where to find it. Let them find it here, Father. You're so good to us. You're so encouraging. And we thank you for the spirit of God that lives big in us to quicken us and encourage us to keep going in Jesus name. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you and remember... You are always welcome here in the House of Faith.